Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. All right. Welcome to another Continuous Improvement for Life podcast. I'm here with my special guest, Todd Sylvester. Todd, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Rick, thanks for having me. I'm excited to share some thoughts and uh, some good things to you, to you and your listeners. You know, I'm introduced by a mutual friend and Todd's got a fantastic transformation, utterly transformation story that's got to do with faith and hope and friends and love and habits and uh, self-honesty and all those things. So I uh, hope our listeners really get a lot out this for continuous improvement and personal transformation. So Todd, why don't we start out, you know, tell us your story. I know it's, uh, I've listened to the videos and I encourage people and I'll give you a chance to tell people where they can find your videos afterwards, but give us uh, give us the picture of your, your life and your transformation and what happened. Yeah, thanks. And again, thanks for the opportunity. You know, I, you know, I'm just going to kind of get right to the meat of the story because it's a, it's a long story. You know, I was uh, uh, obsessed with basketball growing up. I had dreams of getting a college awesome. scholarship and playing in the NBA. And, you know, like a lot of kids, we have our aspirations and dreams and then, and then life happens. You know, we have things, you know, go certain ways. And, you know, when I was a young kid at the age of 11, I took my first sip of alcohol. Um, I didn't get drunk or anything, but that kind of led me down a path that I didn't realize at the time it was going to be self-destructive. A couple of years after that, I got introduced to marijuana. I fell in love with it, to be totally honest. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to drink every weekend and I'm going to smoke pot every single day. And that's what I started doing from that point forward. And uh, um, it wasn't affecting my basketball. I was a really... Um, I realized I had this all or nothing mentality as a young kid. If I was going to do something, I am all in. And with basketball, it was no different. I, I would practice two or three hours every single day and I just loved it. And I was fortunate enough to make the sophomore team, um, uh, the, you know, on the junior team and the so uh, senior team, we took state my sophomore year. We took second my junior year. We took first my senior year. And we, we just had a good run. I, I played with some amazing players and, but, you know, and I'm, you know, by the time I'm a junior in high school, I'm doing every drug under the sun. I'm doing cocaine and speed and we called them cross tops back in the day. And um, again, I was drinking uh, not just on the weekends. I was drinking throughout the week. I'd go home for lunch. My parents both worked and I would drink at lunchtime with my friends. And so this just, was what I was doing. I was partying and I was playing basketball and I just thought life was great at the time. Things started to change my senior year. I noticed this voice in my head that was saying to myself, you know, you're pathetic. You're no good. You'll mm. never make it. You're a loser. No girl, no girl is ever going to want to be with you. And anyone listening to the, your podcast today can relate with that voice because we yeah. all have it. We all have that critic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and we, you know, I had it when I was younger too, but it seemed my senior year where it got worse and I, I walked around depressed. I was, I had thoughts of suicide. And uh, like I said, we took state my senior year. I played the best game of my life. We ended up taking state. Um, it was awesome. Uh, a week later, I got offered a full ride scholarship, which, which was my goal. And I thought, man, I, I, I hit that goal. It was so amazing. And, 
And, and then things just went off the rails at that point. I started partying like I'd never partied before because I thought I've got it, the scholarship in my hand. And anyway, I ended up losing the scholarship uh, that summer because the coach knew I was a complete train wreck. And when that happened, things just got worse for me. I tried out at several other colleges, got cut from every one. And I got to the point where when I knew basketball was over, and I'll never forget it, it was a Thursday. Um, and I had this thought, basketball's over, Todd, and it's it's not going to be a part of your future. And and when that thought hit me, I just thought, you know what, I'd rather just be dead. And that voice in mm. my head was, just kill yourself. Mm. You know, you're you're pathetic. Who practices two or three hours every single day to lose a scholarship like this? And I was just really, again, like you said, my worst critic. I was just beating myself up, and and so. Friday came, I decided, uh, um, when Friday came, I decided I was uh, going to head up home. I was actually trying to go to school down south here in Utah. And as I was getting ready to go home on Friday to end my life, I decided to stop into the school that I was uh, uh, I was attending, but I wasn't attending, if that makes sense. I, wasn't <laughs> I was just going to hang out at the lunchroom, you know. And there's these two religious girls. Um, members of the LDS faith, and they, uh, I overheard them talking about fasting and prayer. And I don't know how many of your listeners are a part of uh, a religion or not, and uh, whatever you believe. But uh, for some reason, the word fasting and prayer really hit me. And uh, I've never heard that before, honestly. I didn't even hey. know what it meant. So I asked them, "Hey, you know," after they got up, walked away from the table, I walk up behind them, and I'm scared to death. And I ask them, "Hey, what is?" what is fasting and prayer? And they're like, why do you want to know? <laughs> Cause they knew where I was. I mean, I'm, I'm this partier and this kind of thing. And I was actually really anti-religion to be honest back then. And um, I said, I'm serious. I just want to know what that is for some reason. I really want to know. And they went on to explain that, you know, we fast once a month in our religion. We, we start with the prayer. We go the whole day without food and water. We enter the prayer. And as they're saying this to me, I thought, what is the point of this? This sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought this is ridiculous. And then, so um, anyway, I just told him thanks. And as I walked away, I thought, you know what? I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to actually give this a try. Cause oh, that's I great. didn't believe in God at the time, but I did not believe in God at the time. I was agnostic. I just didn't know anything. I just thought, well, if there's a God, I'll give this a shot. And so Saturday comes, I wake up, start with a prayer. Cause that's what the girls said to do. And, in my prayer, all I said was, hey, God, if you're there, I need help. And um, I made it till about noon because uh, they said don't have food or water for about 24 hours. And I thought, man, that's impossible. <laughs> well, how about and, drugs as well? And up, Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That was the other thing I was going to mention that yeah. it was the first morning I didn't smoke a, a, a J, snort a line or have a drink or any of that. And and I was just trying to withstand from all that. And I was really angry and cranky. And so I made it until about noon. I'm like, I can't go any longer. And they said, end with a prayer, which I did. I just got back on my knees and said, God, if you're if you're there, I need help. And being naive with the whole thing, I thought, well, if there really is a God, something's going to happen right now. And nothing did. Okay. And, uh, and I, I actually got really frustrated and kind of depressed again. And I ended up... Um, partying and getting wasted again that night obviously didn't end my life but I was still having thoughts of suicide and 
I was going back and forth. And then I had a miraculous experience happen where I had a friend call me out of the blue who I played basketball with uh, in high school who I hadn't seen for about five years. And he called me up and just said, hey, I need to talk to you today. And um, I'm like, sure, which I thought was weird because I hadn't talked to him. And I'm like, all right, so I go over to his apartment. We sit down and he starts saying all these good things about me. Like, you're going to help so many people, Todd. You're going to help kids. You're going to. And I'm just looking at him going, what is he talking about? And I started getting really uncomfortable. <laughs> and, and so I finally, um, I just said, hey, you know, I, his name was Rich. I said, Rich, you know, I don't know why you're saying all these good things about me, but you have no idea. My life's a complete mess right now. And he goes, you know, Todd, I didn't go to work today because I felt uh, strongly that I have to share this uh, message with you. And I'm like, man, what, what, what are you talking about? And I could tell he was nervous to say anything. And finally he takes his deep breath and he goes, Todd, the, the, the Lord came to me last night and says, we need you on our side today. And when he said that, uh, Rick, I, I, you know, how your mind can rewind back to moments. It went back to that moment yeah. when I was on my knees asking God for help during this fast. And so I tell Rich, Hey, Rich, I fasted like a month ago and asking for help. And he points right in my face and goes, this is your help. Wow. And I was just like, oh my goodness. And it was just one of those surreal moments, uh, Rick, that I didn't know what to think of it. I was like, man, did that just happen? (laughs) (laughs) Was that my answer? Was that my answer? And anyway, so that opened the door for me to start wanting to change my life. Um, At this point, I'm a full-blown alcoholic and drug addict. Um, I'm struggling. He lines me up with a bishop, uh, you know, in other religions that call him clergy, whatever. Pastor, um, yeah. Pastor. And I started working with this guy. And um, this guy didn't, you know, he didn't make me go to church. He didn't make me do any of that. He just would meet with me once a week. He he ended up being my rehab, honestly. Um, And I would just come and meet with him and tell him all the things I'm struggling with. And it takes me eight and a half months before I can look him in the eye and say, I made it three days clean this week. Wow. And, um, and I'm still struggling. I still have that voice in my head. That's telling me I'm pathetic. I'm no good. I'll never make it. And at the same time, I'm also working as a bartender, which is not a good idea if you're trying to quit drinking. Right. (laughs) Um, but this is where things really started to make a huge change. So Todd, let me, let me just ask you, I want to get to the lemonade story and everything. So don't, don't uh, let's not hold that back, but tell there's so much in this already that about friendship and love and hope and faith. And yeah. it's just fantastic. But the other thing that's jumping out at me, and I'd like you to maybe talk about self-honesty. So you got to that point because of love of a friend and belief, and he painted a vision for you in your head that you could be somebody. And then you have yeah. this mentor, this pastor, this bishop. By the way, I was also a bishop for three years and dealt oh, a lot with addiction recovery and, and helping and trying to bless people's lives. So sure. I know where you're going here. But how important is self-honesty in this transformation? Can you make a comment about that? Yeah, please. Uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, one of the things the, the bishop was telling me every time I met with him, he says, the one thing I want from you is to be honest with me. Hmm. And he taught me how powerful that principle is, but yet it's so simple. We talk about honest, like we're almost desensitized to it. And, yeah. and so, um, and I, what I have learned through this by being honest 
you know, I'll tell it to my clients that I work with today that if they're honest, they'll never relapse. Mm, because wow. honesty, because honesty kills bad behavior. Wow. And and the way that works, Rick, is that you take take good people, which we all are, and then over here on the other side is the bad behavior, the addiction, or whatever you might be struggling with, right? Yeah. How does a good person bridge the gap to come over to the darkness over here? And that gap, to bridge that gap, is you, we use what I call a thinking error, like a justification or yeah. a minimization. Or, and that's always a lie. Yeah. It's always a lie. And so for me, I learned that if I'm honest with myself, I will never, ever relapse. And it's one of the most powerful principles that uh, I was taught and started to embrace. And I teach it to my clients today. Yeah. And, and including then being honest to those around you, right? Because as we hide yeah. those things, we can 100%. justify and rationalize. And yeah, amen to that. Well, I love that yeah. line. Honesty kills bad behavior. I've never put that together like that. I really appreciate yeah. you underlying and underscoring that. Okay, so let's continue. I know there's a lot of good people and good events here in your uh, story. Yeah, no, thanks, Rick. Um, and then, um, so at the time I'm working as a bartender and what I would, as a bartender, I would get tips from the waiters and waitresses um, because I would prepare their drinks for their customers. And then anyone that would sit at the bar, obviously I would you know, serve them up their drinks and I'd get tips from all of them and I would get a lot of change. And I'd keep this change in the cup holders of my car, you know, quarters, nickels, and dimes. And, you know, I had about, you know, I, I would, you know, I had probably about $40 with the quarters, nickels, and dimes. And about this eight month mark, when I made it three days clean, I'm still struggling, still having a hard time wanting to be clean. And I'm driving my car on a Saturday um, on this big windy road that came out of my neighborhood. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this little girl selling lemonade. Uh, no big deal. I didn't think anything of it. I drive right on past. And then I had this impression come over me that said, turn around and give that little girl all the money in your car. Mm. And I thought, wow, that'll be cool. Again, I had like $40 worth of change. <laughs> <laughs> so I flip my car around. Um, I pull, I, you know, I pull up to the lemonade stand, roll my window down, and I ask this cute little fourth grade girl, you know, how much for a cup? And she said, 25 cents. I said, okay, I'll take one. So she pours it, hands it to me. I set it on my dashboard and I just start scooping all this change into this little girl's <laughs> hands. And she's like freaking out. Heyday. Heyday. Yeah. And I can't, and I'm not kidding, Rick. It takes me like 10 scoops to get all this money to her. And she's like, she's like, no way, no way. And I'm like, hold on, I got more. And the last scoop I give to her, she throws it on her table. And she runs into her house. And I'm thinking, she's going to go tell her parents some dude just gave her a million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and her impression and her face is like tattooed on my brain and my memory. And as I pull away, I start to cry like I've never cried before in my mm. entire life. Um, I actually have to pull my car over, throw it in park. I put my face in my hands and I just sob. Um I don't know if you've ever cried so hard. You feel like you're cleansing your soul. Yeah. This was one of those soul cleansing cries. And I just cried and sobbed. And for the first time in my life, I actually made someone's day ah. you know, as a, as a drug addict and an alcoholic, you're, you become one of the most selfish people on the planet. It's, you know, 
how can I lie to you, cheat you, manipulate you to get what I want? And for the first time, like I said, I actually made this girl's day. And, and in that moment, Rick, I loved who I was. In that moment, I wanted to be clean. In that yeah. moment, I felt like I mattered. And wow. this lit my soul on fire. And there's a, there's a beautiful co- uh, quote by Ferdinand Foch. Um, he says, the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. Yeah, this was lit my soul on fire and that all or nothing mentality kicked in. And I thought if that little girl's there next week, I'm going to give her all my money. So, so the next Saturday I drive by again and sure enough, there she is. And she recognizes me and she's like, no way you're freaking out already. And I haven't even rolled my window down yet. And she's like jumping up for joy. Um, I roll my window down. I give her $20 in quarters. I do this the next Saturday, give her $30 in quarters. And I do this every Saturday for the next two and a half months. And it was, it was in those moments. And in that transition, when I was just like, this transformed my life forever. And it wasn't until um, I got to share this part, because this is where my life set me on the course of what I'm doing today. Um, Long story short, I'm jumping ahead here. After that experience at the lemonade stand, and each time I would pull away, I would just cry my eyes out. I'm just like, this You're is making more a difference. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah. it was the most incredible thing I've ever experienced in my life. And no drug ever gave me that. And I was yeah. like, Man, this is amazing. Um, well, long story short, her, she invites me, her mom invites me basically to be her date at a daddy daughter date. Um, and I'm like, what? I mean, little does she know she's going to ask some drug addict to take her fourth grade daughter to this picnic site, right? Uh, this daddy daughter date. Well, I, I say yes, reluctantly, because I don't even know this girl. Well, I go pick this girl up, right? And I uh, we're driving up, uh, up to the canyon where the picnic site was. We get up there. All the dads are there with their daughters and we're late. So everyone's already there. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, why did I say yes? I don't know anybody. I don't even know her. Yeah. I'm just like, what am I doing? Right. She was a single parent, right? Yeah. 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 Her mom was a single parent her dad uh, had left when she was younger and wasn't a part of her life at that point. Right. And so anyway, it was like, I don't know how to explain it. It was the most surreal thing ever. And, well, anyway, we're up there and I'm just like, I'm so, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I'm used to waking up hungover, puke all over me. And here I am with this pure, innocent girl. And she um, is just the most amazing thing. Like just loving it. Glad that I'm there with her. Well, they invite everyone in to say a blessing on the food, which I thought was weird. I don't, I didn't even know that was like, there's something wrong with the hot dogs or <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> So this guy says a simple little blessing on the, the food to bless the hot dogs, you know. And But during that prayer, I hear another voice, Rick, and I'm telling you, it was this voice that says, "You, Todd, you're doing the right thing. You made an impact on this girl's life that she'll never forget. And um, you're in the right place at the right time. And I love you. And, dude, I, wow. I lose it. You lost I start it. crying. I cry my eyes out. I mean, after the prayer was over. You know, everyone's looking at me like, dude, what's your problem? It's just hot dog. No big deal. You know, and and I'm like, man, I go, it was in that moment, Rick, when I said, I am done. I am never doing drugs again. 
I am never going to blow up my life. And I'm going to, I'm going to dedicate my life from that point forward to helping like girls, like her name was Lindy, helping Lindy or anyone who's struggling with addiction, whether it's anxiety, depression. And that was 31 years ago. And I've been clean and sober for 30, well, actually 32 years on just on August 5th, it was 32 years. Congratulations. (laughs) Wow. so yeah, so that kind of just led into what I'm doing today. And I know that was a quick way of saying my story. So I hope I hope that came through okay to your listeners, but uh, I just yeah. feel so blessed and fortunate. Todd, there's so much to unpack in that story. And I'm just, and I've heard that story several times now on different videos and, and uh, what a transformation you've made and congratulations on 32 years sober. Can you, you. Uh, maybe talk about what you're doing now to bless other people's lives and what, what you see your mission and purpose now? Yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about belief systems because okay. our beliefs dictate our behavior. And so I, I do I, what I would call mindset or life coaching. Okay. Um, I've been doing it for 31 years or 32 years now. God, I keep, it's just weird. It's already been 32 years, but uh, I've done over 17,000 coaching sessions in that time frame. And I'll tell you, my number one thing is I help my clients identify their limiting irrational beliefs that hold them back in their life. Okay. And then we, we, we work on changing those because once they change those, their whole life changes. And that deals with anything, whether it's addiction or anxiety, depression, or just lack of purpose or not sure what they're going to do in life. Um, it's amazing. And I do a, I do a podcast as well. And, uh, I just, uh, you know, I've written a couple books. I get, I do speaking events and I just pinch myself going and I get to be on great podcasts like yours, Rick. I just <laughs> it blows my mind. I'm sitting here today based on where I was you know, many years ago. Yeah. Congratulations. So Todd, um, let's unpack a couple, if you don't mind kind of giving us a, and depression and anxiety is such a big issue, even amongst high achievers today sure. in the business world or whatever part of the world you're in. Um, as you're striving for excellence in your life or continuous improvement, depression, and anxiety is a big deal, not just because of COVID, but that didn't right. help, obviously. So sure. as you coach clients with that particular uh, liability or, or um, uh, they're facing a lot of depression, and anxiety, how, how do you work with them on their belief system? Can you give me an example or two on how to help there? Yeah, that's a great question. And um and I know a lot of people suffer from this. I used to suffer really severely from anxiety and depression um, to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. And so for anyone listening to this, um, I, I feel your pain on this. And But what I'm going to share with you um, is going to, no one takes this approach, honestly. And it's so simple, but yet so powerful. Okay. So really what we have to do is we first have to define what anxiety is. And when I ask a client, define anxiety, they they can't really define it, but they'll tell me like what it feels like, you yeah. know, you know, it feels like my heart's racing. It feels like I'm always revved up. I can't slow down, can't stop my mind, all the stuff, which is all true. And, and people suffer from that. But the best definition that I've come across in my 32 years in doing this is that Anxiety, all it is, is a misuse of our imagination. Mm. And here's why this, 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 why this is true. Our mind and central nervous system, our brain and central nervous system does not know the difference 
between a real event or if you imagine it. Hmm. So if you imagine something in vivid detail, your brain, your mind actually thinks it's happening in the moment. That's why. So when I'm worried about something happening in the future, if I'm worried that, you know, tomorrow I've got to give a speech in front of a thousand people and I'm, I'm worrying about it today. thinking, yeah. Oh man, I, hope I do good. Well, my brain thinks it's happening now. And therefore I feel anxious in the moment. So yeah. what it is, I'm using my imagination against myself. Yeah. And so what I do, and it takes some work, obviously, for sure. But I help my clients. I help them train to learn how to control the way they think yes. and to start using their imaginations in a positive sense. For, for example, Olympic athletes, they, they, they understand the power of visualization. Like Michael Phelps will spend he did when he was in the Olympics, he would spend one hour a day for four years imagining doing his event perfectly. Hmm. And then he would also imagine if his goggles broke, how would he handle it? All these scenarios. Yeah. And he visualized so well that when he actually got in the water, it was like this, you know, muscle memory, right? His body just would react to the visualization that he already did. And um, Olympic athletes use this as part of their training. And it's such an amazing thing. And we can also use that to overcome anxiety and depression. And it's one of the most, I, I don't know, I don't hear many people talk about it in this way. And so my clients will all report back to me like, man, I, where has this been? I have tried everything. I've taken every medication, all this. And I'll tell you, uh, Rick, the response has been uh, unbelievable. And it's been cool. So well, well done. Yeah, I love that idea that instead of focusing or feeling shame about the past or anxiety about the future on staying present, even though you might have big goals and ambitions in your life, like Olympics, like making money, like, you know, whatever it is you do for a profession, but being able to visualize and stay in the moment while still having these big aspirations. Is, is that, does that fit in with your philosophy? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And and again, I'm not trying to say that because people who are listening to this who struggle with anxiety might be going, you know, is it really that's all it is, you know? And when you break it down and you, and I walk a client through the process, they'll start to realize, yeah, wow, I realize how I let my mind and my thoughts control me in a negative way. Yes. Yes. You know? And so it's just it's like anything else. If we start practicing in the right way, Man, it's amazing what starts to happen. And and I do some things that I know, you know, we talk about inspiring people and staying on that path moving forward. So there's some things that I do personally every day that keeps me on that path and keeps my, you know, the anxiety and depression or anything like that in check and where I stay in control of it. So talk about that. And then I was going to ask you about habits. And I think this fits in nicely to staying on the path and staying, getting your mindset in the right place. What can you talk about your habit routines and some of the things you do? Yeah, I'm so grateful that uh, I had a mentor of mine way back 30 years ago teach me this, uh, what I now call my hour of power. Mm. And I do it every single morning. And well, when I say every single morning, I, I clarify, I'm consistent every single week. Let's put it that way. I, I probably do for the last 30 years, I've probably been consistent four or five times every week. I do this hour of power. And it goes along with the saying, Rick, that if you win the first hour of the day, you win the day. 
If you lose the first hour of the day, you spend the rest of the day looking for it. And so, and so what I do is I, I, I do this hour of power where I started off by setting my intent. Yeah. For instance, my intent this morning was I taught I'm full of light, love and energy today. Today's going to be amazing. I don't hope for success. I expect it. And I'm going to give it back to everyone I come in contact with today. That was my intent for the day. And then I've created what I call my my own personal declaration statement. It's where I declare to God and the universe and myself who I am and what I, and it talks about my career, my family, my, you know, my friends, the way I conduct myself, the principles that I live by. And I state it as if I, if it's already fact. So I read that. And then, and then I spend, like I just mentioned before, I'll spend 10 minutes visualizing my declaration statement in my life and how it's unfolding. And I'll do that for 10 minutes. So there, so that basically takes me 15 minutes into my hour of power. And then I've been studying this book called Mind is the Master, the, the complete James Allen Treasury. Yeah. I've been reading it for six years. Okay. Um, it's almost a thousand pages. And James Allen is the man who wrote uh, As a Man Thinketh. Yeah. And anyway, I'll spend a half hour studying that. And then, so that's 45 minutes. And then the last 15 minutes, I'll spend 10 minutes in the silence where I just listen and I turn everything off. I just sit and listen for 10 minutes. And then the last five minutes, I, I write an appreciation letter uh, to someone and I drop it in the mail. That's our wow. wow. What I have found from this, Rick, it's the greatest gift I've ever given myself. Um, and let me just share a few. My, uh, it lessens my anxiety, depression. Um, it creates more love, more confidence. It strengthens my belief systems. Um, I have, I can memorize things better. I can, um, throughout the day, I will, you know, share stuff that I learned from my hour of power. People always say, where are you getting this stuff? You know, they're like, what, how do you know this stuff? And I'm like, my hour of power, you know, <laughs> and it's just, it has truly been the single most incredible gift. And I'm so grateful that my mentor taught it to me. And here's the thing. I call it my morning meds. I mean, yeah. it's like a medication. And if working out our physical body is important, then working out our mind and our hearts is just as important. And that's the way I look at it. And so I'll spend an hour a day working on my mind and my heart. And I also, you know, obviously the physical part's important. I do that as well. And uh, they all kind of draw on together. But this habit has changed my life. Transformational. Yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in the exact same thing. Physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, yep. work on it all first thing. And I believe you do it also very early in the morning. Tell me about that and why that's important. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this isn't for everyone, but I get yeah. out of bed at 4 a.m. And I've learned to pop out of bed like a piece of toast. Um, <laughs> you know, I've trained myself when my alarm goes off to, to do just that pop out, like I'm ready to rock and roll. It's not the easiest thing to do. Um, I do have to admit, like even this morning, I woke up and I was hurting. <laughs> <laughs> At 4 a.m. I, I did it. But so I get up early, 4 a.m. And then, you know, I, I work out. I have a protein shake. I take my shower. And then I do my hour of power to start my day. And I'll tell you, like people think I'm nuts. Like you get up at 4 a.m. Are you crazy? And I'll say, no, you're crazy for not doing this hour of power because if you did it, 
you would witness what I'm experiencing. It is the most incredible thing I have ever witnessed. So, so yeah, that's why I get up early. So I have time enough to make sure I do those things that matter most. And then I can be in a position to help others all day long and it doesn't tire me out. It's right. pretty amazing. No, I, I'm a big believer. I'm a 530 guy, but a good for you <laughs> on four. But yeah, a uh, big believer in everything you're putting down here, Todd. And um, we're coming to the end of our time, but I really want to express my gratitude and appreciation for uh, your example, your inspiration you're bringing to people. And uh, really appreciate the time. Why don't you tell us uh, where can people find you if they want some coaching or if they want to hear more about uh, your stories and examples? Sure. Thank you. Um, I have a website, toddinspires.com. You can get, you know, get me from there. Um, you can also email me at uh, Todd at Todd And I'll even give you my phone number. My phone number is uh, 801-870-4412. You're welcome to shoot me a text. Um, I can answer any of your questions or, you know, and then you can check out my podcast. I'm on all uh, all the podcast uh, platforms out there. And, um, and so, yeah, and I'd love to hear from any of you. And and if I could say one last thing to yes, your listeners, I believe life happens for us, Rick. Okay. And if I could go back 32 years from now and walk up and say something to my addiction, if I could actually walk up to it and say, hey, addiction, you know what I would say to it? I would say, thank you. Hmm. And I'd give it a big hug. And you want to know why? Because I'm sitting here talking to you, Rick, and your listeners. Had that not happened, I would not be sitting here with you today. You wouldn't have this platform. Yeah. If that led to this moment, I would do it again because I really do believe life happens for us and that we can actually get through anything. When we're going through it, it doesn't feel that way. I understand that. But I just want your listeners to know that you're loved. Um, If I can change my life, anyone can. (laughs) And, uh, you know, like I said, if you're hurting or struggling, I'd be happy to help in any way that I can. And, Um, I just appreciate the opportunity, Rick. This has been fantastic. Thank you for all you do. Todd Sylvester, a human soul on fire. Thanks, Todd. (laughs) Have a great one. You too. 